1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. Thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and thank you for letting me know what's happening for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. I appreciate you participating here uh, in the Spirit of Recovery community. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your Unity community, your other spiritual communities, your family, your friends, letting everybody know about us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And uh, it's great, our audience is growing, and it's uh, great to know that what we're doing is making a difference in your life and uh, that. The guests that I bring on here are touching your heart and uh, helping you to find some new resources for recovery, for spiritual growth, um, giving you some new insights, opening your mind to the possibilities uh, that are just so abundantly available in the recovery uh, life. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and they always are bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen via live, uh, live via your computer or your smart device. You can uh, also go to st- uh, Stitcher.com and download their app. Search for Spirit of Recovery. You can um, listen via iTunes. You can. Uh, listen via Alexa if your device is Alexa-enabled, um, so you can uh, listen live. You can also listen to podcasts at your own leisure. We've got a unityonlineradio.org program slash spirit of recovery, and you can find tons of wonderful uh, podcasts there. Also, of course, through any of those other platforms, you can access those podcasts. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or the friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction uh, or you're just curious about what the process of recovery is all about, you're welcome here. And um, I always want to give a shout-out to family members because that's my situation. I'm the family member and friend of people that have the disease of addiction. And um, so there is recovery for family members that we can learn how to not enable the disease. We can learn how to support our loved ones and also how to focus on our own lives and how to uh, support ourselves in uh, our own living and live well. I want to know also that if you would like to financially support this nonprofit radio station if you like what you hear on Spirit of Recovery and also the many other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can financially support it. It is a nonprofit venture. You can text Unity radio to 72727 from your smartphone like a one-time or an ongoing contribution. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship, as I said a moment ago, many people with that disease of addiction, and uh, over 36 years ago now, those relationships got me started on a path of personal recovery um, from the family member, friend, angle, and also um spiritual development, and my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and that just keeps me growing in wonderful and deeper ways, and I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to bring you great guests. I also want you to know that there's going to be a change coming up uh, on Spirit of Recovery, and we'll be talking more about this in the next two weeks, on uh, the last two weeks of February, but... um, we're going to be getting a new host. It's going to be Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. She's great. She's a person who's got wonderful deep roots and wonderful connections uh, in a variety of ways into the recovery community. So she'll be sharing more about that with you next week. Um, I am so grateful. I was blessed to found Spirit of Recovery as a program on Unity Online Radio in 2010 and to have uh, been hosting it now the 7 plus years, and uh, it's, it's been wonderful. I've met incredible people and uh, just benefited from the graciousness. There's people in recovery, and people that work with the recovery community are the most honest, most generous, most uh, forthright, vulnerable, wonderful people in the world. So I've just gained so much, and I just kept getting the message uh, several months ago that uh, I had done uh, what was mine to do with this, and it's time to let it go and turn it over to a new host. And so uh, I'm a little sad, of course, and I'm also delighted. And uh, Lonnie Vanderslice is going to be great. So we'll be talking more about that in the next couple of weeks, but I just want you to know because change happens, and it's good. It opens new doors for us. It'll open some doors for me to have some uh, – I've got some things I want to do, other things to support the recovery community, and I'll be sharing about that. In the next couple of weeks. So, anyway, with that, I want to introduce you to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, We've got a great guest who's returning, who's got always lots to share. So, today we're going to be talking about recovery is progress, not perfection. Oh boy, you know, perfectionism can really be a part of the addictive process, whether that's uh, for persons that have the substance abuse aspect or behavioral aspects of addiction or for family members and friends. We can all get into this business about we have to be perfect. And um, that is not how it works. And recovery is about progress, not perfection. You know, um, recovery opens us the invitation to open to our human vulnerabilities. We get to give up our ironclad defenses and live from that spiritual light within us. So my guest today is Marilyn Davis, and uh, she's going to be sharing with us how this works in her own life and why vulnerability is the key to recovery and how it is that it challenges us. And uh, Marilyn has been my guest a couple of times before, and um, uh, she is, is amazing. She's You've heard some of her story before, but you'll get to hear some of it again today. She's a recovery curriculum author. She advocates for and writes to the addicted population. Also, she founded and ran an award-winning women's recovery home for 21 years, and currently she's serving on the staff of a men's recovery center. Also, she celebrates twenty-nine years of abstinence-based recovery, a person another person in long-term recovery, it is possible. And you can find her readily on uh, Facebook via Facebook on her blogs. She has two amazing blogs. One is called From Addict to Advocate, and that's addict and the number two, advocate.blogspot.com. And again, you can access it through Facebook. And the other is the award-winning two drops of ink at wordpress.com a literary blog two, and that's T-W-O, T, 2 drops of ink and um, it's an it's uh, about writing and it's amazing it's it's uh, about all, all different aspects of writing both for your personal life and also if, if you're interested in writing you know for the public and that's an award-winning um, uh, blog that uh, she uh, is just uh, wonderful at getting the word out in lots of ways. Marilyn is a very creative person and, and uh, is so generous to share that with all of us. So we'll, we'll hear some more about her. But, Marilyn, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery.
2: Thank you. I am so glad to be on your show, and I know that change is happening for you. And just like I closed North House in 2011 and wondered, what am I going to do? doors will open Anna (laughs) thank you
0: I appreciate that tell us briefly about that because that's part of I think really progress not perfection you you did that North House is your uh, treatment center that you founded and you were Mm -hmm. there for you ran that for a long time so what prompted you because that's I mean I would think for me perfectionism and that kind of keeps me saying no I'm going to keep doing the same thing I've been doing because I'm going to get it perfect and after a while you can kind of delude yourself into thinking, oh, yeah, I got this I got this nailed down. But you have to be willing to change. And then you do something oh, different, yeah. and you don't know how to do it. So what was that like for you to be willing to uh, let go of
2: North House? Well, when I opened North House in 1990, I ran it as a sole individual. And it almost had to close in 2004 because I wasn't a very good business person. And I ended up, the community and judges and people in treatment said, oh no, you can't close. And I said, look, I, I can do the recovery aspect okay, but I don't know how to run a business. And so in 2004, I really went through relinquishing some control and having to acknowledge That, you know, I do these things very well, but I'm completely inadequate when it comes to running a business. And Mm -hmm. people ask me, how can you give up what you started? And I thought to myself, you know, a, a good parent sends their child to school to learn from others. And to me, North House was my child at that time, metaphorically. And so I turned it over to other people who had experience and strength that I didn't have. Um, and that worked very well. But after about 21 years, I I really have to admit, I, I was suffering from some burnout.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was another time when I had to say, you know, I can't do this perfectly. And so... Maybe it needs an infusion of new blood. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what I was hearing you in the introduction, you know, talk about right. as well. You've, right. you've birthed Spirit of Recovery Radio, and yet mm-hmm. it's now time to move on for it and for you. And I think if we're not open to those kinds of universal offerings of something new, um, we can just get very rigid. And that's Mm -hmm. all part of being this whole perfection thing, you know. um, But as it relates to recovery, I I often talk about the fact that we are not critical of children learning to walk. Mm -hmm. You know, no one looks at the child the first time they fall down and says, boy, I bet you'll never walk. You're not very good at it. And yet we get into recovery and assume that we're going to know what to do. And part of the problem is we're adults. We may not be very mature, but we're adults when we get into recovery by and large. And we're very hesitant to say, I need help, or mm-hmm. I don't really understand, or I don't know how to do that. And yet there are people in, in all the rooms, whether it's 12-step, secular, or, or faith-based, that were also in that same position and you had touched on the vulnerability, um, if we do not make ourselves vulnerable and say, I need help, it's very, very difficult to recover on
0: our own. Mm-hmm. Right. So, You know, Merle, go ahead. No, no, no. You ask. Okay. I'll ask you. And, um, you know, wh- what sparked this topic for me, and I shared this with you, was there were several blog posts that were just – Always they stand out to me, and I always enjoy them, but there were several that stood out to me in January, particularly, mm-hmm. uh, that seemed kind of, for me anyway, clustered around this topic of, of progress, not perfection, and in one of them... Um, I think this was in the one on January 13th, Um, and again, these are accessible on Facebook for folks that want to look these up, and I I suggest that you do. Go to Addict to Advocate, um, uh, Marilyn Davis on Facebook, and you'll find this. But it was the January 13th one that uh, has that wonderful uh, picture on it of a woman in armor. And in that, you're Mm -hmm. telling your story about yourself, about when you first got into treatment, and about... And people kind of, in some ways, inviting you to be vulnerable, in other ways, I think kind of trying to beat your armor off of you and how that wasn't so great. Yeah. Would you share that with us,
2: some of that? Well, I think that, A, treatment has changed, which I think is good. But, you know, 29 years ago, most of us would go into what was then labeled a 28-day program. And counselors would immediately start, in quote, peeling the onion and getting down to our core issues. And I'll tell you, I, I felt very exposed. I felt very embarrassed. Um, I, I did not like that approach, but that's what was available. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, what I have learned over the years is that people will become willing to be vulnerable and expose their shortcomings or character defects or issues if I expose mine first. Mm -hmm. It's inviting then. You know, and if I'm not coming from a place of the know-it-all, but that I'm remembering how it felt back then, oftentimes people will be willing to get vulnerable Um, but if we're not, we can't let anything in. I I remember, you know, when I found that image, I'm a visual person. So sometimes I find the image and then write the post. And then other times I'm, you know, frantically looking for it. But when I saw that picture of that woman, I was like, that is exactly what we are. We're, we're all, we're like little armadillos. You know, we've got this armor on us. And it's hard for people to get in. And recovery is about you chipping away on the outside as someone who knows what they're doing and me on the inside getting rid of that armor. Mm-hmm. And then healing can begin.
0: Right. Because, uh, you know, again, you, you address this in that blog post that armor is sort of a 2 too uh, Mixing metaphors here, but a two-edged sword, and you just yeah. sort of were alluding to that. And the way you know, when any of us are in whatever our active addiction might be, of course, we're feeling like, well, the armor's keeping me protected here. But as you're yeah. just saying, I can't, I can't get any help. I can't grow. It becomes like that shell that locks me up.
2: Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and but it's you know the other. The other problem is most of us in our addiction were not surrounded by supportive caring safe people and to make ourselves vulnerable in that world could have disastrous consequences so when mm-hmm. we first come into recovery i think it's very difficult to to know that we can in fact trust people that they're not going to knowingly steer us wrong. And part of that is who wants to be the person in the room that gets labeled as the one that has idiotic suggestions? Nobody does. So by mm-hmm. and large, people are telling us their experience, what worked for them, and, you know, any prudent person is going to at least try out the suggestions that other people are giving them. I think that's really how I got my first year, Anna. I made Mm -hmm. up my mind that if somebody had one day more in recovery than I did, they knew something I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. so I would try their suggestions. Now, not all of them worked for me. I I remember one man said, well, when I want to use, I just go out on the lake in my boat and sit there all day. And I thought, no, I I can't do that. I know I'm not going to do that. So that was one that I, I immediately rejected. But other than that, I pretty much did what people suggested. And part of mm-hmm. it was so there were two reasons. Initially, it was I wanted to prove them wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then second of all, as I was yeah, as I was coming up on my first year, I thought you know what if if I followed their suggestion. Then I can have some integrity. If I want to go back out, I can at least say, "You know what? I've done everything y'all told me to do. I don't like it. I'm out of here." Well, that was 29 years ago, so obviously I found something I like. You know, but it Mm -hmm. cut down on a lot of the the arrogance and the defiance and the resistance by just saying these people know something I don't, and Mm -hmm. I have to learn recovery just like I had to learn to walk. And the only perfect, we were talking about the perfection, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I talk about it in the blog, the only perfect that my mentor set me up with was don't use. Everything Mm -hmm. else is just going to be about progress. Right.
0: You know, what strikes me is um, this, uh, and I felt this, you know, when I first came into recovery as a family member, I I thought, it's the difference between an intellectual education, which is good, you know, that's good to learn skills or develop your Mm -hmm. intellect or whatever, and a life education. And I'll be honest, I remember when I first came in, I thought, I'm an educated person here. You know, I know a lot. I know a lot about psychology and all this business. Mm -hmm. But I thought, but I would sit in those rooms and I thought, but I have no idea what these people are talking about. (laughs) I know. But they know more than I do. Yeah. That took a lot of humility to know. I didn't know much about how to live. I didn't.
2: Did you find that? Or I mean, oh, very much level of it. So, uh, you always ask these questions that make me expose myself, and I have to tell you that
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, you I say to, no. I'm
0: talking to you. <laughs> no, no,
2: because it may help someone. No. Uh, oh. I remember that my. The college actually put me into treatment, and, and I, of course, had to participate then in an aftercare. And I remember going to my first aftercare, and I live in what is the are the foothills of the mountains in North Georgia. And I went into my aftercare group, which is in metropolitan Atlanta, so you've got, you know, kind of different cultures, if you will. And I went in there, and I said to my counselor, you know, you all expect me to learn how to live from people who talk funny, butcher the English language, and have no teeth. And my mm-hmm. counselor said, yes, we do. And I said, oh, well, that says it all. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. We had some men who had, and I, you know, year within the year I had to make amends to them. But they had come down from the mountains of North Georgia. They had 30 years. Who was I? To be critical of their recovery, and I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And over the course of that year, I was like, "Oh my gosh, these people really know how to live." Mm -hmm. And so, what if they butcher the English language? (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's right. So, yeah. Mm Hmm. Yeah, and
0: I mean, for me, that's that. That's the the gift of vulnerability. And that's that humility that you have to somehow, I don't know, I guess it's by the grace of God to get it that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And are there people that can help you in the willing?
2: And Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing over the, the course of time. I have gone to various types of recovery support meetings. And regardless, as I said earlier, you know, whether it's 12-step-based, faith-based, or secular, that is the overriding thing. We are Mm -hmm. here to help you. What do you need? Mm -hmm. And if we can hear the sincerity in that, you know, I think that makes it, you know, an inviting atmosphere. And perhaps we can ask for what we need or what we don't know.
0: Right. You know, when, when you're bringing that up about asking for what we need, I I have personally find that to be one of the most vulnerable things in the world. One of the things I learned in the midst of the family disease was not to, I mean, of course I had needs, but to, to numb out. So, oh, no, I have no needs. Yeah. Because to have needs was to was to expose myself to the possibility of rejection and Disappointment and all of that, it's
2: it's hard to say I need. Oh, very much so. Um, But we say it about other things. You Mm -hmm. know, I I mean, I had no qualms about asking for something that I wanted or or perceived that I needed in my addiction. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I was real ready to ask my dope dealer for anything I needed, and I had to transfer that ability to my recovery. Mm-hmm. And that How was, did you do that? that? Well, Go ahead. Well, okay, we all talk about, you know, oh, change is hard and change is difficult, and, you know, I don't like to change, those kinds of things. But the mechanisms for change are within us. I mean, we change our mind about lunch. We change our mind about a movie. We change the radio station. I mean, we change daily. Where it becomes problematic is we're, we're very selective with it, you know, and we've gotten very comfortable in our addiction. And so for me, it was a question of tapping into the existing what what were good qualities, but I had used them incorrectly. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I took a lot of risks in my addiction. So I had to use that, which is actually courage used inappropriately and be courageous enough to say, I need some help with this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's that kind of shifting back and forth between The aspects that I knew I had, I mean, I don't know a single addict, alcoholic that is not tenacious and determined. We are going to get and use. Well, we just have to use that tenacity to get what we need in our recovery. And if I need help with um, changing something, an aspect of myself, or I need help finding a meeting or whatever the case may be, then I have to use what is already within me. The answers are already within us. We just have to look.
0: Right. That makes a, a really good point. Um, in your blog about uh, progress, not perfection, um, you tell a story um, about some people that, that you've been uh, working with um, that mm-hmm. were very persistent in uh, as you, Again, basically trying to use, and um, they couldn't inject the drug. They tried and tried, but um, that didn't stop them, as you're just well, saying. It didn't stop them trying that no. persistence at, at that level.
2: Yeah, and that seems to actually – most people can really get that one. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you're working with other people, I mean, you've got to find – What is a a topic or a focal point that's going to resonate with them? And when I ask, and and I work with men now, but when I ask my new, I have an under 12-week group. I'm kind of digressing there. but So these are all, all new men in recovery. And I'll ask them, did you ever miss a vein? Oh, of course. And I'm like, well, did that stop you from continuing your use? And I, you know, all the heads kind of tilt to the right. And you're like, well, of course not. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. then you have to keep making incremental progress in your recovery. Mm -hmm. You can't stop just because you weren't completely successful today. And the one man, I, I know what you're referencing. I have one man who is now getting ready to graduate Um, who stuttered. And so I knew any time that he raised his hand to talk in the group, um, that he really felt compelled to talk, and it was coming from his heart. And he said, you know, Ms. Allen, I think sometimes I believe that we should do this perfectly, but I'm going to talk about progress now, not perfection. And Mm -hmm. that was really such a wonderful group. And so I asked all the men if they had used that day, and all of them said no. And I stood up and clapped for them. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing is you know we don't we don't necessarily give enough attention and um, good lost my word there. Um, enough, we don't really give enough attention when people are making progress. And I think that we should acknowledge it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that we can do that? How do we acknowledge it for ourselves and maybe also for other people?
2: Well, one of the things that I have people do, and I still do it too, is look at whether you want to label them goals, you know, then come up with your sub goals. And if you, do accomplish them, then tap into how do you really feel. And it is legitimate to feel pride. I feel proud that I did whatever today. Um, and let people know that they're not being conceited or they're not being arrogant. They're just acknowledging that they did something well today. They can also look on the other side of the coin, and I didn't do this particularly well. Um, You know, there's kind of that sandwich method in sales, you know, where you give a positive statement, and then if you have to come back with a negative, do so. Um, But I just don't think that we give ourselves enough credit sometimes for making progress. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's tied to expectations. Right. Um, yeah. When we come
0: back, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to have time for a break now, but I do want to talk about that, about expectations and where we get mm-hmm. get these uh, messages about perfection. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I also want to acknowledge, I think what I was hearing you just say now is that in some ways, it, it, when we do make progress, it's simply about noticing it and, and yeah. taking a minute to say, "Ah, I did it and, and have mm-hmm. that feeling of legitimate pride. Absolutely, just not letting it, I call it not not, not having a hole in your bucket. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, well, we're going to take a brief break, so um, listeners, stay with us. We're talking about recovery is progress, not perfection, and my guest is Marilyn Davis, who is uh, so wonderfully sharing with us how this works in her life, how she shares it with other people um, in recovery, and um, uh she, you can find her on in her blogs from addicts to advocate and you can also find her at two drops of ink and both of those you can find her via facebook we'll be right back stay with us on spirit of recovery
4: Your soul wants five things. Your soul will thank you.
3: What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is recovery equals progress, not perfection. And my guest is Marilyn Davis. And, uh, she's a person in long-term recovery. Uh, she's a recovery curriculum author and also she is a, an avid blogger and writes wonderful, uh, blogs. This is high quality information and just from the heart. It's good stuff. So you can find from addict the number two advocate from addict2advocate at dot .com. Marilyn corrected me during the break there. There's not black spot, But you can also access, just go through Facebook and you can find her. And the other um, blog is Two Drops of Ink, and that's 2-W-O, Drops of Ink, and that's at WordPress.com, a literary blog, which is award-winning. They're just It's good stuff, so look her up. So before I get back to my conversation with Marilyn about progress, not perfection, I invite you to join me just for a brief moment of quiet, a brief moment of meditation, the Serenity Minute, and... Um, We will uh, take a moment to relax. I'll invite you to share a constructive idea with me and to open up to that presence of your higher power, to that conscious contact. So I do invite you to relax, to feel that peacefulness in the crown of your head and allow yourself to relax all the way through your face and the back of your neck and shoulders and arms and hands and allow relaxation through the trunk of your body, through your legs and feet. Allow your mind and your heart to relax and open. Maybe gently notice your breath. And share with me this constructive idea. I am enough. I am loved just as I am. I am enough. I am loved just as I am. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to relax, to open up to that conscious contact with your higher power who definitely loves you. And So now we're back uh, to my conversation with my guest, Marilyn Davis. So, um, Marilyn, before the break here, you were telling us about uh, the importance of, of validating ourselves, noticing when we're making progress. Um Where do we get all those ideas that we have to be perfect? That perfectionism, where does that come from?
2: Well, I think that's going to be individual for all of us. Um, You know, but we're inundated with magazines or TV, or, you know, now we can, you know, see everybody around the world and. And what is today's standard of, you know, beauty or success or whatever. And, you know, clearly, I never measured up to those things. But I think that your meditation is really what we have to get down to to be okay. I am enough. See, I don't ever have to become you. I just have to become the best me I possibly can. And so when I quit Trying to be you or someone else or whatever, um, it became, my life became less expensive for one thing. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. but it also, you know, I I just have to be the best me I can be. Mm -hmm. I have a theory, you know, maybe giraffes can tell one another apart or lions or whatever. But I happen to think that God made us all, all humans, so very different and unique that we're we're supposed to just be okay with who we are. You know, I mm-hmm. I grew up with red hair and freckles, and I I had cousins and people in school. I mean, say things like, "Don't those spots wash off your face?" And I'd rather be dead than red on the head. So mm-hmm. I I had a a very distorted sense of my my physical presence. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is something that I was never going to change. I mean, certainly I could dye my hair, but the freckles weren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now... Um, gosh, I really wish I still had the red hair. It's gray. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I think that if we just strive to be the best that we can be, that's that's the progress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really noticing who we are and letting that be good. Know that that, uh, I believe our higher power loves us and, like you said, made Mm -hmm. us just like we are. So um, I want to switch gears slightly here um, and and because sometimes that perfectionism can cause us to not go forward, not do things. And I'm going to read this mm-hmm. uh, quotation. This is from your blog, um, Recovery Isn't Perfection, It's Progress. And the date on that one is January the 17th of this year. And it's a... A quotation by a woman. I'm not going to pronounce her name probably correctly, but it looks like Veronica Tugaleva. And here's what she wrote. The most dangerous way we sabotage ourselves is by waiting for the perfect moment to begin. Nothing works perfectly the first time or the first 50 times. Everything has a learning curve. The beginning is just that, a beginning. Surrender your desire to do it flawlessly on the first try. It's not possible. Learn to learn. Learn to fail. Learn to learn from failing and begin today. Begin now. Stop waiting. Why is that such an important recovery message?
2: Well, as I said earlier, you know, we, we come into recovery as adults, and I think that we have a lot of unrealistic expectations about our ability um, you know, and especially if someone comes into recovery and has had some successes. Um, I, I worked with a group of athletes, professional athletes, um, about five years ago. And, I mean, these were absolutely dedicated men and could not imagine not being successful in recovery. And, you know, I had to take it back to them and say, when you first started out throwing a ball into, you know, either the the catcher's mitt or, you know, shooting hoops, were you good? Well, no, but I, I wanted it. Then you have to want this in the same way. And you have to understand you're just beginning in your recovery. You're not going to be successful. But you can learn. And so I think that when people have had successes, they, like I said, they create the illusion that they're going to be successful in this to begin with. Mm-hmm. And they're, whether peeling the onion feels badly or not, it is something that has to be done. We've got to pull, peel back all of those layers that we have put on ourselves, whether it's the armor or whether it's that we wear our successes Like, they're going to, uh, you know, prevent us from or keep us safe. And we have to just understand we're beginning something. Right.
0: You know, sometimes, too, uh, people, this is a little different, but people are sometimes afraid to succeed.
2: Yes. And and some of that is tied into, um, well, wait a minute, if I do something well, are you going to up the ante? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time, you know, I, I I don't do math well. And I remember I got a B and I was so excited to get that. And my mom said, well, maybe you can try for an A next time. Mm. There was no way. I I I knew that I had just outdone myself getting a B, mm-hmm. and I think that was just because there were extra credit points on it. <laughs> it's the only reason I got the B. Um, so in that case, it was like, gosh, this is—it's not ever going to be enough. Mm. So why am I going to keep trying? Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to let the individuals be themselves. You know, um, some people are, are not ever going to want to chair a meeting. Maybe that's too daunting for them. But they can read at a meeting. And so we have to respect, okay, you have done the best that you can do. And this is where you've put time, energy, and effort into it, and we applaud you for doing that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, for me, that when, when you're saying that, I'm thinking that's, for me, a spiritual principle is to, mm-hmm. for each of us, ourselves, and also as we are viewing or interacting with other people, th- there really isn't some external standard that any of us have to meet. It's like, what's right? What's what's it look like from the inside of me? What you know, like you got that B. That was a wonderful uh, achievement or accomplishment because mm-hmm. you put yourself into it. You put yourself, and that was wonderful. And has nothing to do with somebody that's like a mathematical genius. I mean, it, it's not. It has nothing to do with externals
2: at all. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is recognizing strengths, talents, limitations, and weaknesses. We mm-hmm. all have them. Right. And I know, you know, I spent 21 years creating kind of female-driven analogies. Well, when I went to and, and started working with men, those didn't work anymore. Hmm. You know, I was talking about complacency one time, and I said, okay, it'd be like saying you want to you have cake, but stopping after you've got the eggs and flour in the bowl. Every woman understood that. None of the men did.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I had to learn the language of men. So now that whole lecture centers around changing attire. But I had to actually learn new terms. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but I I also know that when we we share anything that is a a life experience for us, and it's beneficial to somebody else, that frees up space within us to learn what we need to learn. And in that case, I needed to learn terminology that men could relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and um, again, that, that to me, there's the progress, not perfection, is that mm-hmm. when you were interacting with a different set of clients, so to speak, people in, in treatment, you were willing to know that, oh, that doesn't work anymore, what I was yeah. doing before. I've got to be vulnerable and be willing to do something different, even though I'm supposed to be the professional here, but i got to do something different.
2: Yeah. And it and it was really neat because the the three men that I, I kinda cornered on the deck and said, Okay, I need to learn how to talk about changing a tire And and they were all like, Oh, Miss Marilyn, we'll take care of it for you I said, No, you don't understand <laughs> I have to, I have to learn the words <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And I said, It's kind of a trade off. What would you like to learn about recovery today? And will you teach me <laughs> The terminology for how to change a tire. I'm not going to do it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of reciprocal that day, and, and they're now all graduates and come back and laugh about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I had to learn new terminology. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, too, and that, to me, comes back to the, in recovery, It's <clears throat> it's not about... Somebody standing above another, even in a professional setting. It's about the circle. It's about we're Mm -hmm. always standing in the circle. We're human to human. We may have different roles, you know, which do have certain things that we need to do. But bottom line is we're all God's children and we're standing in the circle. We're all equal in that sense.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. So I want to ask you about your book, that you have written a book, and it is in the process, the editing process, and I know you had had uh, hopes that it would be have been published by now, but it hasn't been yet because it's in the editing process, so tell us a little bit about the book, but also, you know, related to this um, topic today is what's that like? Oh, it didn't get published when I wanted it to. It's still being edited, so... Tell us about that. About what that's like for you as an author.
2: Well, you know, a, a good editor takes the unruly, you know, rose bush and and cuts out, you know, what is not necessarily necessarily germane to the chapter. Um, they are able to um, cultivate the blooms. I have an editor who's a gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and we write, and, and this is true with two drops of ink. Um, you know, people write things a lot of times and think it's good, but it needs pruning. Mm-hmm. Or it, you need to say, um, gosh, you, you need to expound on this part here. And memoir is, is such a difficult genre because you don't really know whether or not you're you're showing too much, telling too much, whichever the case may be, or not enough. And when you have an objective editor, you know, they can say, no, this is really interesting. You need to expand on this. And so things that I thought were rather just incidental occurrences in my life for the period of time that I'm writing about, um, she wanted them elaborated on. So it's been going back and doing that and pruning and, you know, extra drafts and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm the assistant editor at Two Drops of Ink and... I want to encourage any uh, any listeners, if you have ever wanted to write for a literary blog, we do memoir, poetry, book reviews, those kind of things, please feel free to submit something because we are the, and let me use the tagline, we are the home of collaborative writing. And my editor, Scott uh, Bedoff and I've been friends for about 25 years, and sitting in a little mom and pop coffee shop, both of us said, "You know what? We want to have a collaborative blog." Well, now here, six years later, um, we've won I think nine awards now, mm-hmm. and Good we are we are a collaborative writing site. And we kind of laugh. I remember when we got our first PhD that wrote for us Mm-hmm. how. We sat with one laptop between us and two chip coffee cups, um, and that's how it got started. Um, Mm -hmm. The same for From Addict to Advocate. If there are listeners who want to write about their experience, whether they are the addict or whether they are a family member, um, I'm very open to getting submissions for from Addict to Advocate as well. Because I think that the more people who write about addiction, and from whatever aspect, the more people we can touch. And, Anna, as you well know, I mean, the number of people dying from addiction is just staggering today.
0: Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to get that information out there, absolutely, to help people bridge in to... to Community and bridge into possibilities, bridge into you know the possibility of recovery. And I know, Marilyn, that you uh, uh, writing is is a big part of your own recovery process. That you mm-hmm. speak about that too in your blog, and, and um, is as you've been writing <clears throat> through the blog and now through the through your book that you're working with. That also is a part of your vulnerability, right?
2: Oh yeah, very much so. Um. And that's twofold. Um as I said earlier, you you always ask me questions where I have to get honest and, and you know, <laughs> talk about something that I did. So there's that vulnerability where we're exposing some, you know, heinous act that we did. Mm-hmm. But you know, when, when we put it out there, um, you know, we have to be We have to be willing to have, you know, our behaviors rejected and or somebody say, you know what, I did the same thing. But there's a a vulnerability when we expose ourselves. And I guess I've just reached the point where I know for a fact that if nobody, if no other mother is willing to say, I gave my children up because they interfered with my use. That's kind of where I am. Now, in in the work that I've done, that's not bragging, that's not about regret, that's just fact. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to say that, and then to follow that up with, and that is the one thing that I regret the most, mm-hmm. you know, that I gave my children back to their dad. Um, that allows another woman to understand, oh, someone else did it. Now, I have two daughters in recovery, four grandchildren, and our relationships are absolutely wonderful today. A lot of therapy went into that, but they are good relationships today. Right. And so people can hear, wow, you did a really, really horrible thing as a mother, Mm -hmm. and you came through it. Right. Right. That's so important. Maybe I can too. So
0: important. And so right. that that's
2: the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, our time and is a that has been up. difficult Go to ahead. write I'm about saying.
2: Anna. I will what? say that. Mhm. that. that again. has been difficult to write about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Yeah. That takes a lot of uh, a lot of uh, willingness and a lot of courage and it makes a, it does make a real difference. Um to people. Like you said, it, people identify and they also see that good came out of it because you chose mm-hmm. for good to come out of it. You and yeah. your daughters did. Yeah. So thank you for writing about that. Thanks for being honest about it and, and for sharing mm-hmm. about it today too. I appreciate it. So, unfortunately, our time is up. Um, we've been talking about recovery is progress, not perfection, and my guest is Marilyn Davis. Again, you can find her via Facebook and these two wonderful blogs, From Addict to Advocate and Two Drops of Ink. And uh, they're incredible you'll be blessed just by reading them and as she's already invited you if you're interested in making contributions get in touch with her so um again thank you all for listening here today to spirit of recovery it is a joy to be with you and i'll be with you for two more weeks and um just have a wonderful week and i'll be back with you here with uh Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, who's going to become the new Spirit of Recovery host on March the 6th. and uh, But I'll be back here for two more weeks. So God bless, and you have a wonderful week.
1: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. For down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. To paraphrase Einstein... I can't solve a problem at the level of the problem. The world's great religions tell us to treat others as we would like to be treated. Remembering that thought makes it a little easier for me to become a peacemaker, a bringer of love when conflict appears. When I choose to be a peacemaker, a loving response or sometimes silence replaces the snappy comeback to an unkind statement directed my way. The momentary satisfaction of winning an argument gives way to the deeper satisfaction of helping to create a more peaceful world, a world where destructive conflict no longer has a place. Peace really can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.